up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in to the 3FN Podcast. And of course, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. This week, we're jumping back in that way back machine and taking a trip 40 years to the past. That's right, December of 1983 to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the John Carpenter classic, Christine. But before we get there, I am your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. Firstly, just this past week, after seeing Christine, he went out and bought himself a 1957 Chevy. It still looks like a piece of shit, but it gives him a reason to call everybody a shitter. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ron. Yeah, granted, it was only a Matchbox car. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, you know, <laughs> Hey, listen, I was trying to put you over. You yeah, didn't have to admit the fact you could afford the other one. Yeah, listen, I'm a little poor right now. Well, listen, a 57 Chevy would set you back because now everybody makes those cars up. It's like yeah. a collectible thing. So there was yeah. a time in our in our life when, when oh, yeah, we were but, younger where those cars would have cost you nothing. Yeah. I wish I would have known that then. Oh, yeah, trust me. I would do too. And, of course, the other nerd, he doesn't need an introduction. Yet, he has the longest introduction in all podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang, is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger-bearded fella. This is Diesel. I also talked down the price of a Christine from $300 to $250. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about where that where that came from or what diseases that may have involved, but shh, no crimes were committed. And by the way, you mean roses. Wink, wink. <laughs> I mean, you know the lingo. Don't, don't be fucking it up over here. Ladies and gentlemen, before we can jump into the show, let's find out how everybody's week was. Ron, how's the week been? Uh, for me, it's been pretty boring enjoying <laughs> this vacation still oh wait wait a minute hold on you said you said you're on on vacation did he just say vacation move this man yeah had to go in and bid my vacation for next year so i had little one one little hiccup there was one week they got booked before i could get back to it so oh he doesn't have a full month off well i have to save my pls for that week now <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. wait a minute ladies and gentlemen move this man it's the problem that thanksgiving is literally the last thursday of the month so like the first week after that is the first week in December. Yeah. so everybody takes the time so it happens <laughs> but i won't have to go back to work until the 6th <laughs> january 6th next <laughs> in 26 <laughs> or 25 <laughs> i think we're gonna set a record yeah. <laughs> Jesus yeah, so, so, you know, and that all happened. and you Diesel, know, Thankfully, this window doesn't open up because Diesel's about to jump out of it. <laughs> so, it, you know, it happens. But other than that, not too much going on. Just doing stuff around the house, getting things situated, dreading this Christmas family fun stuff. No, yeah. But, you know, it's, that's about it. Well, Diesel, uh, you go from Mr. One Month Off to Mr. No Days Off, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Diesel, uh, how's your week been? Not too bad. Work's going good. Uh, we're... We're wrapping up here at Dragon Master Games with the last set to alphabetize, and then we get to go back to set sorting again for the third time now. <laughs> Fun times. Uh, I mean, so, that's good for business, technically. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to getting that started. Uh, other jobs going good. Really haven't been doing much, just working and taking a lot of edibles. 
<laughs> well, I mean, hey, get you through the day, right? I have been. I have a lack of edibles. Maybe you should share. Oh, uh, look you up. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. With that being said, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the first weekend I did not travel somewhere like far away. I, we did go to Ithaca, which is about an hour away, but that was just a shop uh, for some things. And then, uh, you know, I went up there with my mom because we haven't hung out with my mom in a couple weeks because both weekends we were out of town this past uh, two weeks. So it's kind of nice to be at home. I mean, I did watch NXT with uh, with Ken M and the dog on Saturday, so that was a good time. And uh, uh, we'll be talking about it on this week's uh, Wrestling Night Live, live on the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel, Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for you pro wrestling fans. There you go. Get out of the way. Visit nerdinitiative.com, and uh, there's a lot of great stuff on the way over there. Uh, one last thing in the shameless plugs, I guess. <laughs> but uh, outside of that, relaxing weekend. Got caught up on laundry. Uh, watched some foosball. Enjoyed watching Patrick Mahomes cry. <laughs> and uh, yeah, other than that, it's been, been been a good week. Been a good week. Just gotta say, I am locked into first place, so that I don't have to worry about eating silkworms. We're golden, Ron. <laughs> nice. Well, with that, folks, I hope everybody at home had a great week. I hope you have a great upcoming week as well. But before we can jump into the fun parts of the show, which includes Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff, and of course, a 3FN movie club review of Christine, we have to take care of some opening shameless plugs. And of course... If you would like to find out anything at all about the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. You just go to 3FNPodcast.com. That's where you can find all the social media links there. You can find the Public link there. And most importantly, you can find that Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content and help support what we're doing here. On top of all of that, there you're going to check out all the stuff for the shows. Plus, you can go over to friends of the show, like the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast, see what Ken M and them are up to. Uh, you can stream the show right from their website as well. Plus, like I said, go to nerdinitiative.com. Also, on the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel, check out Turn a Page every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I, I know that this week they're doing some Batman action on uh, Turn a Page, so tune into that. Talk to Ken M and the guys. And next up, we have the musical directory, where the bands who allow us to use their music so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCA's are. And of course, we're going to give a huge shout out to Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song you hear at the beginning of every episode of the 3FN Podcast. To support them and all the other great bands who allow us to use their music, make sure you check them out on the musical directory and follow them on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. And last but certainly not least, there's the sponsors of the show. Of course, they allow us to bring every show to you commercial-free, but we're going to give them a quick shout-out now. Uh, First, our local sponsor, if you are in the 607 and you need to put the pride back in your ride because you need an auto detailing, call Rex to Rods Auto Detailing. Uh, Diesel, what's the number? 607-644-3389. I threw myself up, of course. Tell them the 3FM Podcast sent you. Of course, the uh, energy drink of the 3FM Podcast, Dubby Energy. Go to dubby.gg, that's D-U-B-B-Y dot G-G, and use the promo code 3FNPOD. That's the number 3FNPOD at checkout for 10% off of every order. Thank you, Dubby, for being the energy sponsor. Next up, we have our good friends at Sci-Fi Horror Fest. Go visit SciFiHorrorFest.com for all your ticket and vendor information. Vendor spots are selling quickly, so you're going to probably want to jump on board to that. And we'll be announcing celebrities for the event pretty soon. So SciFiHorrorFest.com. And of course, our main sponsor, who provides us with the 8122 Production Studios, Dragon Master Games. For all your Magic Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. And if you missed any of that, remember, just go to 3FNPodcast.com because it's got your hookup. Like big, pop a pump, 
And you know what? I feel like I enunciated better this week. Maybe it is uh, to be a little slower instead of being too speedy. But I also, uh, sometimes I do the abbreviated sponsor list, so I'm sorry to Rex Rod's Auto Detailing, because <laughs> I almost couldn't get it out of my mouth. But uh, they are our local sponsor. We, we love them very muchly so. But... That's enough about our sponsors. That's enough about everything else that we've got going on in our lives. It's time to get into the fun parts of the show that I know you guys tune in for. So let's kick off the show with... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. Got a very interesting box office this week, and not a lot of people went to the movies, but coming in at number five with $5.3 million, Wish. Okay, uh, not too bad, but I, I, I kind of feel like that movie should be doing more money. Yeah, it's a like classic be. Disney you know, family film. I don't understand why it's not making as much. Uh, coming in at number four in the same vein of uh, children's movies, Trolls Band Together with $6.2 million. Same thing I said for the first one. You could say for the second one. Maybe it is because like the, the everything's more expensive and everything. Maybe the holiday season's really yeah. taking a toll. Coming in at number three, because of that extended stay, Godzilla minus one with $8.3 million. I feel like the word, by the way, the lowest second week drop of 2023, it only dropped 27%. I mean, granted, last week it was only 11 million, but still made 8 million. Listen, the word of mouth, and it's still sitting there at a gigantic, I think it's the movie of the year, going by its fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes. Coming in at number two with $9.4 million, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. That seems low for that, but at the same point in juncture, hey, they're still making some money. Yep, and it's their fourth week on the list. Right, so. right, yeah. But still, like, I mean, I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to go with maybe the, the holiday season's putting that, yeah. that financial crunch on people, unfortunately. Then debuting at number one, The Boy and the Heron with $10 million from Studio Ghibli. See, that's that's where it really gets weird, because Studio Ghibli films usually open big. Yeah. So, and then no, no crapping on it. It could just be a bad time. Like, finances are shit right now. Yeah. And nobody, nobody competes with Santa Claus. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Diesel, what's coming up in the box office? All right. Coming out this week on December 15th, we have Rainbows, Concrete Utopia, Control, and the big one, Wonka. And of course, Wonka will be next week's 3FN Movie Club review, if anybody uh, didn't already know. Then coming out next week on December 22nd, we have American Fiction, the animated movie Migration, one I know we're both excited for, The Iron Claw. Me and Diesel will definitely be going to see Iron Claw. I don't know if Ryan might be in as well. I don't know if it's playing in our theater or if it's getting a wide release. But I know me and Diesel yeah. are definitely going to see if Ryan, you want to join as well. There will be a special bonus <laughs> review for the uh, Patreon for that. Because that week, we're going to be doing the Nerdy Awards. So that's the year-end awards. Because that's going to also be the same week that comes out on Christmas week. And the following week, uh, what's coming to the theaters, Diesel? Well, we also have Anyone But You coming out that week. Oh, sorry. I forgot there's more. And then also we have Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. Yeah, I ain't even going to see that. that (laughs) I'll probably go just because I got time, but that's it. And uh, so, yeah, and then the first week of of January, which will also, the day we record would have been the first of of January, so the new year. It'll come out to the masses on the 2nd of January. That will be the uh, year preview. So we'll be talking about all the movies coming up. In the year 2024, and the week after that, it will be the 3FN Podcast 300th episode of the official podcast. Not counting other extras and bonuses, it'll be the numbered numerical 300th episode. So we have a little celebration for that. We're not going to let that on the back. Our patrons have found it out already, but we're going to keep that under hat 
a little while longer. So your next few weeks, if you haven't figured out, is this week's Christine. Next week is Wonka. Then it's the Nerdies giving out the year-end awards. And then the first week of January, which will be the week after that, is the preview show for 2024. Movies coming to the box office that we're excited about, maybe not excited about, whatever. But uh, there will be a bonus Iron Claw review. And much like I did with the Godzilla Minus One review, which just hit the masses today as we're recording. We record on Mondays. Uh, the show gets released to y'all on Tuesdays. Uh, I might do that with Iron Claw as well. I don't know yet, but it's definitely going up for patrons. So with that, Diesel, that brings us to the signature move. And that, of course, is this week's top three. All right. We got a broad category this week. Your top three favorite car movies. And or car. You said basically you said it could be cars and anything. Yep. You're a lot, it's a broad subject. Your favorite car. So if there's a car in it that is involved in the plot line, it's allowed <laughs> to be taken. This is a big, broad subject. That's fine, folks. Sometimes you got to, you know, brush a broad you know, stripe. <laughs> So I, I took advantage of this. <laughs> My number three, Inspector Gadget. Yes, the TV series. Because I always wanted the Gadget Mobile. Yep, true. And I, I never understood the need of the Gadget Mobile since he had a helicopter that comes out of his head. But the Gadget Mobile <laughs> was still cool. Uh, next up, and the cartoon. And you would think that I would pick something that's going to be on Ron's list, I'm pretty sure. But I'm picking the, the uh, companion to that, if you will, G.I. Joe. Not okay. only do they have cool vehicles on their cartoon show, but I wanted to own all of them. Yeah, yeah, true. It's for my collection, and my mom would not buy them for me. What a mean mom. What a mean, mean mom. That's okay. Most of us had the same story. Yeah, all of right. us wanted the, 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 the carrier. Yeah. Not all of us got it. No. Uh, my number one, though, it does involve a car a little more, and that, of course, is Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. I still, to this day, would own a DeLorean just because of that movie. Okay, Ron, you're up. Uh, number three, I'm going with a Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, okay. actually, it was actually a really good movie. Enjoyed it months. Uh, number two, I'm going Baby Driver, just because I really enjoyed that movie too. <laughs> and obviously, number one, pick any Transformer out there, whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pick for him because it's usually his go-to Transformers '89, the, the cartoon movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's his favorite. But if if you have to pick any other one, go ahead. Yeah. He prefers Bumblebee. He's really upset that Bumblebee got off. I was in not the upset comic that we got off in the comic books. I found it hilarious that it happened. I have the cover of it. The, the second run cover has a cover of Dead Bumblebee with headshot. Nice. And I made sure I got that so I can get that signed one day. Uh, Diesel, go ahead. All right. Number two and three have a theme. Uh, we won't talk about that theme, though. But coming in at number three, License to Drive, starring the two Corys. <laughs> I, I, I see where we're going, continue. Number two, also Ron's number two, Baby Driver, starring one Kevin Spacey. I got, Such a I good got movie. The, I, got the the I got the theme. <laughs> continuing. And then number one. Falls off of that theme, but I really love this Ryan Gosling movie, Drive. I have yet to watch it. I've heard good things. I love it. There's a comment I wish we had a middle section for Patreon today <laughs> that I would like to make, and I hope I can remember it at the end of the podcast. <laughs> Anyways, I can't share that on the main feed or else, uh, yeah, that'd be the end of the 3FN podcast. <laughs> With that being said, though, good top three. If you would like to add anything to your top three, maybe uh, in the new year we'll get ahead and get the top threes out to people sooner. Uh, that's going to be one of our goals. There's a couple other goals. We'll also be changing the rules to the game. We talked about it a couple <laughs> weeks ago, but I'm going to wait till the new year to do that as well. But until then, uh, hit us up. 3FNpodcast.com's got all of the social media links. Now, it is time to exit Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff, and that means we're diving right into... Welcome to 3FN's Movie Club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember... Good certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show.
that is right. It is now time for this week's 3FN Movie Club Review, and we are celebrating the 40th anniversary of the John Carpenter classic, Christine. And thank you for joining us for this 3FN Movie Club Review. If this is your first time listening, or you just need a reminder, and if it's your first time, by the way, uh, please go back, check out some of the older reviews we've done, and hopefully you stay along for some of the newer stuff. we got a lot of cool stuff planned on for you and everybody else who wants to listen. But uh, as a reminder of how we do things when we do older films, it's a little different than we do new films because there is no break in the middle. Uh, basically, what we do is we will give you the spoiler-free section up front, uh, including the Diesel spoiler-free synopsis, followed by the stats of the movie, who made the movie, who starred in the movie, and then we will follow that up with a final warning for the spoiler alert, even though it's a 40-year-old film, before giving you the full spoiler review, followed by the game, where we find out the scores from around the internet, and finally, our scores for this film. So, gentlemen, are you ready to talk about the John Carpenter classic, Christine? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, well, Diesel, I believe... Man, I got a story to tell! A young man buys a car and finds self-confidence in himself for the first time. Turns out self-confidence involves a lot of murder. (laughs) Ah, I like it. I like it a lot. Of course, Christine was released on December 9th of 1983 with a runtime of 110 minutes. The budget of this film was estimated at $9.7 million, and it made $21 million domestically. Of course, back then, uh, the, the worldwide box office wasn't kept track of as well, so we just have the domestic total. Now that we know the stats, it's time to find out... Who made this thing? Of course, first off is the director of this film, and the director would be the legendary John Carpenter. And we just did They Live not that long ago, so I'm not going to go into the real deep dive. We're just going to do kind of an abbreviated version because we'd be here all day because he's got a lot of credits. Of course, uh, first movie that John Carpenter directed was Dark Star back in 1974. Uh, He would direct Halloween, the original version in 1978, followed by The Fog, The Thing, They Live. And of course, most recently, by the way, and it is on the Peacock, it's John Carpenter's Suburban Screams. So you can check that out on the Peacock, Cock, Cock, the Peacock currently. Uh, Next up, the screenplay, of course, is based on a novel by the legendary Stephen King. And the writer for the film, the person who uh, turned it into that, would be Bill Phillips. Christine was his first movie. He would go on to do There Goes the Neighborhood, and he's done a lot of TV and TV movies since. Uh, Director of photography on this film is uh, Donald M. Morgan. Uh, The first movie Donald M. Morgan ever was the DP on, Santee, in 1973. I Want to Hold Your Hand was another movie did. Yes, the Beatles movie. <laughs> Starman, and uh, he was the guy who was the DP for The Rage, Carrie 2. Okay. Next up, composer of this film, John Carpenter. Of course, John Carpenter it would uh, also compose Dark Star in 74, Halloween, The Fog, Halloween 2 and 3 as well. They live, and he was the composer on the entire Halloween 2018 trilogy as well. Uh, mind you, he didn't direct all those movies. He just was the composer. So now that we know who made this film, it's time to find out who starred in it. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? This movie stars Keith Gordon as Arnie. You'd remember Keith Gordon. By the way, you would remember Keith Gordon from his first role, Jaws 2 in 1978. Uh, He was also in All That Jazz, Dressed to Kill, and uh, for you, Diesel, Back to School with Rodney Danger. (laughs) Uh, He would also be a director and a writer of films, so he's gone on to do some really awesome work. Next up, playing the role of Dennis is John Stockwell. First movie for John Stockwell was so fine in 1981. He would come back and do Top Gun, and he was also in Nixon. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Next on the list, Alexandra Paul played Lee. Uh, her first film, American Nightmare in 1983, which came out right before this. Uh, American Flyers, Dragnet the movie, Spy Hard. 
<laughs> and uh, the most recent thing she's done, because she's done a lot of TV and uh, TV movies, but the most recent movie she's done, Baby Steps in 2023. All right. She's one of the few that's actually still acting to this day. Uh, next up, we have playing the role of Darnell and probably one of the, the most known people on this list. There's two of them I'm going to list right here, and that is Robert Prosky. Uh, Robert Prosky's first movie, Thief in 1981, but then he would be in a lot of movies we all remember him from. The Natural, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, Far and Away, Hoffa, Last Action Hero, Rudy. Of course, everybody recognizes him instantly from Mrs. Doubtfire because he was the exec at the uh, TV station. Yep. Uh, Dead Man Walking, and unfortunately, we lost the late great Robert Prosky on December 8th of 2008 at the age of 77, but he's definitely got a hell of a, a career. <laughs> yeah, it is. And as far as deep dives go, the last deep dive will be Harry Dean Stanton playing Junkins. Uh, of course, first movie for him, Tomahawk Trail in 1957. Then he would do a ton of Western TV and movies, including he was in Kelly's Heroes, speaking of one of the bigger Westerns oh, okay. he was in. Yeah. Uh, he was also in The Godfather Part Two, but most of us remember him for his role as Brett in Alien. Uh, he was also in Escape from New York, Repo Man, Red Dawn, Dream a Little Dream. That was for Diesel because the two Corys <laughs> are in that. Down Periscope, Fear and Loathing <laughs> in Las Vegas, The Green Mile, Alpha Dog, and guess what? He was in The Avengers. Small role, but still in The Avengers. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we lost the late, great Harry Dean Stan on September 15th of 2017 at the age of 91. And, uh, you know, when you see him, you know yeah. you've seen him. And, of course, the iconic role would be Alien. He's yeah. the first person yeah. to have the chest burster. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's always a great thing, and, and he'll be missed. And I thought that was kind of funny that the two biggest, I mean, not funny he's not with us, but the two biggest stars of the movie were kind of character actors, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's somebody else I want to give a shout out to, and he's, he's pretty much horror movie royalty. And uh, that would be Stuart Charno, who played Vandenberg, who is probably the worst bully of all time. But we all remember him as Ted in Friday the 13th Part 2. Remember? <laughs> yes, yep, he's yep, the yep. guy that lives because he just stays at the bar. <laughs> yeah. Smart, smart, smart. Thing. But uh, tell me when you look at the picture of, of, of Stuart Charno, that he, the role of bully was not yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> he's not good, although he does have a decent death in this film. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, with that being said, that is the actors of, in the movie. And now we are going to get ready to dump, jump into, I said dump into, jump into the spoiler full review. So if you have not seen 1983's Christine and you don't want the movie spoiled, this is your time to stop the podcast, come back later. After you've seen the movie, you can watch it on Pluto TV. It is also on Shudder. And, and then and then you can hear us talk about it. But if you don't care if a 40-year-old movie gets spoiled or you've seen Christine like you should probably have seen at least once in your life, I'm just throwing it out there. You're listening to a movie podcast. That is why you jump in and enjoy our full spoiler review because we're entering the spoiler zone right about... Now, I mean, I think I just really enjoy playing the Rambo <laughs> bit there. So uh, once again, we don't go scene by scene in the movie. There are some scenes we'll break down, but you, we try to skip around before going into our likes and dislikes for anybody who's not used to how we do a review here. And so this movie opens up, and it's, uh, I was saying this to the guys earlier. I think this movie has always been weird to me because even in 1983, horror movies that had like uh, – uh, you know, like a little prologue to them. Always had that little piece first, and then the the uh, the, the title card and, and opening credits. This one doesn't. This one just goes title card, opening credits, and then we go back to 1957 to a factory building 57 Chevys, and we get to see all these off-white 57 Chevys, which, by the way, was the only color that they made the 57 Chevy in. Uh, it's a fun fact. 
But on this line, there is one different one, and that is our beautiful ca- candy apple red, Christine. Uh, the car and as as it's coming down the line the first of all the, the first time we know we're in trouble is the manager or whoever that tech guy was was checking things out and the hood takes off his part of his fingers <laughs> and then, a hungry hungry car <laughs> and then the weird part is we go to lunch break and for some reason one of the workers decides hey I'm just going to get inside a brand new car that nobody's bought yet while smoking a cigar and ashing in the seat <laughs> and and then when they come back from lunch he's dead yep. he, he did he did of course we get the uh, little uh, Buddy Holly song on the radio. It's we're going to hear throughout the movie. And now we fast forward into the year 1979. So the most the majority of this movie, even though it was made in 83, takes place in the year 1979. And we get to we get introduced to our two, you know, main characters, if you will. And that would be Dennis and Arnie. And of course, Dennis is the stereotypical jock. He's the star football player. He's Mr. Popular. He's good looking. All the ladies and fellas want him. We'll talk about that in a minute. (laughs) And on the other hand, we have Arnie, who is your stereotypical nerd. And uh, he he basically is picked on. But for some reason, these two guys grew up near each other and are best friends and have kept that kindling on, which I thought was a really cool story in its own, because usually you don't see the super nerdy guy and the super popular guy being friends. So we get to see how much they are that when they go to school because Dennis, he's got all the girls giving him the googly eyes <laughs> and some of the gentlemen, which no judgments. <laughs> and he's just Mr. Popular. Meanwhile, when we catch back up with Arnie, he's at shop class because he enjoys uh, putting together automobiles and taking them apart and fixing them as a good mechanic should. But he's getting bullied by the local bullies, including what is it with John Carpenter and switchblades? <laughs> and and, and what, 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 what kind of a dick move is you stab into his bag so his his, the, his liquid beverage goes everywhere? Uh, what was a dickhead? No, it was yogurt. It, it was, was yogurt. Because oh, it, it was told to keep it cold because there was yogurt in there. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, so I forgot it wasn't forged, a beverage. It was foreshadowing. Uh, it's, just, <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, he threatens the, the bag with the switchblade, pulls it through, and then just yogurt an apple and a sandwich fall out. <laughs> well, then uh, Dennis makes the save. But unfortunately, he gets kind of rear naked choked into uh, Diesel. How did you describe the, the move that happened to him? Moochie pulls the weirdest bullying move ever once he tries to interfere with the bullying of Arnie. And he gets him into a quick rear naked choke and then the monkey's paw grabbing the fruit. To just not, not actually like grabbing and gripping, just grabbing and holding. <laughs> I'm just telling you, Moochie was sizing them up, which is fine. Once again, I'm all for it. Maybe Moochie and Dennis went on to have a wonderful life together. Who knows? They were sheep together in Iowa. <laughs> so at one point, we find the new student, Lee, has joined the school. I'm, I've obviously skipped up some things because there wasn't anything really there. She, she, she's definitely got the brains of a, of a student or like a academic, but she's got the body of a slut. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a wild line, by the way. And every guy is trying to throw a line at her including Dennis. And of course, Arnie's like, I don't even have a shot, so I'm not even trying. Uh, Good for him. But on the way home from school, Arnie and Dennis pass by this 57 Chevy that has seen better days, and it is on sale. And uh, of course, uh, Junkins is the man who is selling this car, and uh, he, he he looks like a homeless man. With a weird back brace for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like a corset, pretty much. And basically, he says, hey, listen, this was my brother's car. My brother died. I'm just trying to sell it. And Arnie's like, hey, this is a beauty, even though it looks like shit. I don't know what you're asking for. You're not asking enough, though. I know. He's a bad negotiator, by the way. If you don't figure that out, he's super bad at negotiating. So he ends up 
He ends up getting paying for 250 bucks. And of course, Arnie, he doesn't have a life. He doesn't go out. He has all this money in his bank account, so he writes him a check for 250 And Dennis is a little leery of it, but the best part about this is that like Arnie pays the 250 In today's money, that would be about $1,000. Yep. So I think that's a good deal. Yep. <laughs> so now Arnie takes the Arnie goes the car home. His parents don't like the idea, so he ends up having to go to Darnell's, and he gets a spot there. And Mister Darnell, not 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 so not so happy about this smoky, shitty car being there. But he basically says, if you pay and you keep out of my, you know, you keep out of my view and out of my hair, I'll let you have a spot. So. Arnie is now diving deep into fixing Christine. Uh, obviously, we find that's the name of the car from Junkins and no. later on. So he's fixing up Christine and he's doing such a good job that Darnell actually offers him a part-time job, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And uh, I love the I love the fact that Arnie's like, well, uh, I mean, I'll think about it. He's like, yeah, you better think real real quickly about her or else you might be out on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> the first time he offers like something nice and is actually being nice to Arnie, he's like, oh, I got to think about it. He's like, oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. Mr. Darnell. Darnell was a dick but it was awesome <laughs> yeah so in the meantime he's fixing up the car and he does take the part-time job but we start to see a change in arnie arnie starts to become a little more crass a little more he's getting almost a bad boy image he's starting to get that he's not, not quite fully there but we see we see a starting to change he's talking back to people he's sticking up for himself he he ditches dennis to go to dennis wants to go to a movie he ditches him so he can go do part-time work and then work on christine after his yeah. part-time work is done so basically arnie's be, he's becoming a changed young man and then we get to see the reveal that he has now fixed up Christine. And boy, does that car look gorgeous. Oh, yeah, it did. And he also, he's dating Lee. Because, hey, who doesn't love a man with a gorgeous new car? True. And that, that newfound self-confidence. <laughs> so he shows up to the football game where everybody has gotten an eye on the car. Now, the bullies are eyeing down the car because they're just pissed off because that belongs to Arnie. But then every other, all the people are like, man, maybe Arnie's cooler than we thought. But Dennis sees the car, and for whatever reason, he gets distracted by the car, which gets him hit and pretty much almost paralyzed. <laughs> Remember when he's in the hospital bed, he's like, I'll never play football again. I was almost paralyzed. Yeah. And Arnie's like, wow, he really hit you good. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that's the line. He really hit you good. But uh, so the first kind of victim of something weird happening is Dennis. But I just don't, I don't understand how it's connected to the car other than for whatever reason, he gets distracted by looking at the car. Just, just. Good old-fashioned foreshadowing. <laughs> he got knocked out like Lucas. So what I think is the first time we see, other than obviously the prologue, the first time we see that the car is really something's going on is the next scene at the drive-in theater because Lee and Arnie are at the uh, drive-in theater. And, of course, as one does at the drive-in theater, you're getting a little bit of necking going mm. on. And uh, Lee, maybe they weren't wrong. She uh, she goes for the package, bro. <laughs> but then she gets weirded out because she feels like Christine is jealous. <laughs> Well, you know, you get your transfer around like a goddamn slut. The, the the classy car might be upset. The classy car wants a classy broad. I'm yeah. just throwing it out there. <laughs> so next thing you know, uh, she basically is going to eat this burger that didn't look like a burger, but whatever. Uh, that Arnie got her, and Arnie has to go fix the windshield, and then the car starts playing the Buddy Holly song, and bright lights come on as she is now choking on the sandwich. She, she manages to get out of the car and some neighboring car's, you know, occupant gives her the Heimlich and, you know, clears out the problem. But Arnie treats her like she's a terrible human being for trying to mess up his car. Because <laughs> why wouldn't he? Don't, be, don't try to fucking puke in my car. I just got that thing detailed. <laughs> <laughs> he did the detailing himself. So 
After he goes back, he drops her off, and after he goes back, the bullies follow him to the garage, where they proceed to just destroy Christine. And so the next day, when he comes in with Lee, he sees the car, and he blames her. You never liked the car anyways. What the fuck? Like, he's unhinged, dude. Yeah. He's unhinged. <laughs> but we find out the car's neat trick. How am I supposed to fix all of this? And for some reason, at this point in Juncture, there's almost like this telekinetic ability between Arnie and the car. And basically, Arnie tells the car, show me what you got. And what happens when he tells the car, show me what you got, Ron? It starts to repair itself. Yeah, it comes like completely back you, into perfect form. Yeah, you hear, you hear, you first hear off screen like the engine, and then all of a sudden the engine's perfect again. And he's like, "Oh, okay." I was like, "What the fuck?" And it starts putting itself back together. By the way, yeah. uh, practically the way, way they did that is they filmed it being compressed, and then just played the film backwards. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> so if you ever want to know how they did that, because everything's practical, it's nineteen eighty three. Yeah. So now the car is pissed because these bullies fucked it up. Now, we don't know, like, this is the first kind of indication, yes, there's some supernatural shit that happened, but I think what we're going to talk about, especially in likes and dislikes, is there's always this line is, is Arnie the driver of this car or not? And that's the whole point of this movie. We'll talk about it more in dislikes and dislikes. But uh, the one character, I do believe it's Moochie, gets dropped off in the middle of a highway. So I'm really starting to believe there's something, some smoke to what you were talking about, because that seems like when you get dropped off by a truck in the middle of a highway... You were cruising. There, there was, yeah, you were out <laughs> cruising you're out cruising so as he gets dropped off he has an uneasy feeling like he's not alone and then the headlights come on and christine does what to moochie sort of like what moochie did to dennis christine does to moochie but just full on a rear naked choke from a car hurts quite a lot more <laughs> yeah especially when the fact that christine goes into a small area and just destroys herself to, to kill him so, of course, they hear that there's problems between, you know, Arnie and this bully gang. So the detective comes to visit uh, the, the, the uh, you know, Arnie, and he goes, hey, what's up with your stuff? By the way, I, I misspoke. Junkins is the, uh, is the detective. I don't know why I said yeah. it earlier the other way around. Me just having a Freudian slip. Uh, but they, he comes and says, hey, to Ar you know, Arnie, like, hey, you know, I heard you had some problems with these people. But as he's looking, Christine is perfectly pristine. Yep. And they know that whatever car did it had to have been damaged. Because they see paint on the side of the wall. But Christine is looking pristine. They're like, well, there's no way he did it. Yeah. Because the car couldn't look this good less than 24 hours later. So it kind of gets him off, even though he's uh, he's a little, uh, Arnie's a little peeved that they would even question him. Mm. Because once again, he's getting a little, <laughs> He's transforming into a, a dick. I mean, at one point in Juncture, he chokes his dad. <laughs> he's, he's becoming Peter Parker with the black suit in Spider-Man 3. Absolutely. <laughs> That's where they probably got the inspiration for. He's wearing the biggest pop collars you can find. He choked the shit out of his dad at one point. Remember that scene? Oh, my God. His dad says something. He's like, what'd you say? <laughs> chokes him out. And then he gives him a, after he lets him go, he gives him a pat on the shoulder. Like, anytime I want, I can kill your ass. <laughs> Moving on with my day. Anyway, so we're seeing this change. Of course, Dennis is seeing the change. Lee's seeing this change. At this point in Juncture, he breaks up with Lee and uh, tells her to fuck off, bitch, is the exact line. Uh, also, we found out from the guy that sold him the car, uh, he liked to say shitter about people. And that's also the word that starts being used a lot by Arnie. He starts calling people shitters all the time. Um, as we go along, though, we have more revenge to be had. And that's where we get one of my favorite scenes in this movie. The car now hunts down the other bullies. Yes. And how does it hunt down the bullies? It knows that they're going to a, well, I shouldn't say car, because it could be Arnie. Yeah. It knows they're going to a garage. It follows them to a garage that, uh, that one of the characters works at. And 
as it goes in there, it decides, all right, fuck your lives. It crashes into uh, the, the one bully's car, driving it into the shop, killing one of the bullies instantly, and then leaking gas and blowing up the shop in his wake. So the one bully gets away. However, the car, which is fully engulfed in flames, is following him. <laughs> and it leads to a, a pretty cool scene because, Diesel, what happens there? Oh, pretty much think of Beast, the, the lion on fire. It's still not dead. It's going to come get you. <laughs> and that's what Christine does. It comes and... It runs over, buddy. <laughs> and uh, when he gets ran over, you just see his carcass laying there on fire. <laughs> so now... It go, the car goes back to Darnell's. And as it pulls in, Mr. Darnell is still there, and he hates cars that smoke. And, of course, this car is smoking a lot because it was on fire. <laughs> it is no longer on fire, but, you know, hey, the remnants of being on fire. So the car goes in, and it parks and everything, and Mr. Darnell goes down because he's like, there's no way. I just talked to Arnie. I know Arnie's not in that car, so somebody must have stole his car and fucked it up. So he takes his shotgun, he goes to the car, and there's nobody in the car. Now, here's something, and I, I know we're going to talk about it later as well, but... Here's something I don't understand. How the fuck... Did, why the fuck does Mr. Darnell after this just sit in the car? Like, think about it. He just gets in this burnt-up car that is charred. He just sits behind the steering wheel. He's just like, oh, this is a nice car. I like being behind the steering wheel. And then the, the Buddy Hyde song comes on, the green little light from the radio. The doors close, lock, and then the car proceeds to push its, its electronic seat forward until it smushes and kills Darnell. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But the next day, when the cops come, the car is proceeding. <laughs> Christine does good work. Christine knows what she's doing. She's a hungry, hungry car. So now Detective Junkins is like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on? All of this ties back to this Arnie kid. All of this ties back to this car. But the car is looking pristine. Yep. There's no way it ran anybody over. There's no way it got sideswiped. There's no way it was on fire. It's a beautiful car. So we're going to get into the, the, the finalized because Dennis makes a last step effort to kind of like repair his relationship with Arnie and they go on a ride. And of course, this is where we get the creepiest, probably Arnie monologue of all time, but it's amazing because it's probably one of the best, better scenes in the movie as far as monologues go, where basically he is telling him like, you don't understand. There's nothing better on this world than having your own car. No, well, maybe, maybe pussy's better. That's it. <laughs> and then he's just going on like this manifesto about how people are shitty and how fucking, you know, fuck people. And, and all I need is my car and, you know, it won't let me down and yada, yada, yada. And you could just tell he's fucking off his rock. Oh, yeah. And it's a throwback to when he first got introduced to the car and the guy's like, oh, he got a brand new and she had that new car smell. Nothing better than that new car smell, except maybe pussy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and the shitter part, you know, it comes from that, too, because he's like, what? Because earlier in the movie, that, that homeless guy, oh, yeah, what are you, some kind of shitter? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get that insult, but it is what it is. Uh, so now Dennis is like, there's no hope for Arnie. There's zero fucking hope for Arnie. So he basically is like, you know what? We got we to gotta take this car. He tells Lee, we got to take this car. Now, mind you, this is your boy. I know they have been broken up for a couple months, but come on now. He's piecing up his girl. Hey, Arnie has all the reasons to be pissed, although he's not because he's in love with this car. So what is what is what does Dennis do? Does he call phone up Arnie and, and invite him, you know, to come meet him at the garage? Does he write him a note in class, Ron? How does he communicate to Arnie that he wants to meet him at the garage that night? It's, I actually forget. I he he scratches it into oh, the that's car. Right, that's right. He uses a screwdriver right. and etches into the car. Meet me at Darnell's at 
whatever time it was. I forgot the time. Yeah. Don't fuck with the goddamn car. And if your buddy's that obsessed with it, don't fuck with his ride. <laughs> Just common sense, dude. So they got a foolproof plan, right? Him and Lee, they're going to go. They go to the shop. They got this big fucking bucket loader. They're going to fucking smash into the car. They're going to take the car out. They're going to get arnie out and they're just going to make sure that carrie die or carrie christine dies because i'm thinking about another stephen king book in, in movie they're gonna make sure christine dies and they and christine dies good but evil dies tonight christine is on to them because as they're trying to set up for the plan two headlights come out <laughs> and the party begins and christine tries to take out lee so that forces uh that, that forces dennis to kind of like put the 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 front loader in a defensive mode but the car keeps smashing into the to the to the bucket loader because it's trying to get to christine or sorry to say, to lee or to lee so yeah. why do i keep saying <laughs> fuck I'm, I'm messing up names there's too many names in this movie but that's when we finally see when the outside of the car by the way it looks like an uh, animal which yeah. is kind of crazy that's when we finally see that inside the car is a very deranged Arnie behind the wheel. Which makes you question, was Arnie behind yeah. the wheel the whole time, right? So that's that's what kind of one of the things is. And that was why the choice by John Carpenter to make sure there was a blackout uh, windscreen, if you will, windshield for those of us here in the States, uh, to make sure that you couldn't tell if there's somebody driving yeah. the car or not. It's ambiguous if it's got somebody in it or not. But now we know Arnie's in there. So Arnie's trying to take out uh, Lee, and uh, she runs to go towards the office. Arnie smashes through to get her, and he comes. He should have put his seatbelt on. Had diesel. <laughs> what happens to Arnie? Arnie goes flying through and gets impaled by glass and winds up pulling it out, but that was a mistake, and then just gives one last touch to Christine. <laughs> you got to love that portion. He gives a little last touch. So now Lee goes over to check on Dennis. Because, you know, they think it's over. Because they, they, now they're kind of like, oh, well, maybe Arnie was driving all along. Uh-uh. The car comes back to life because why wouldn't it? Because it's the car. It was the car the whole damn time. It almost takes her out in reverse. But as the car is about to get her, as she's running away from it, it gets T-boned by the front loader. And, uh, yeah, then it gets monster truck smushed down. Now, Christine, to, to her credit, tries to rebuild herself. But uh, it's a little hard to rebuild yourself when a big-ass old-school front loader is just destroying you. Yeah. Yes. So now Junkins is there out of nowhere. <laughs> like, that was always the part to me. Like, it was weird that he shows up and he's just like, well, we can't obviously talk about this. <laughs> we just got to get rid of that we car. We just got to get rid of that car. So they, they fucking smush it into a nice little cubicle and they drop it on the ground. And we get the first thing. We get, you know, something that was ingenious here. At this time, the jump scare ending had been there because we've seen Friday the 13th use it. And then other movies started using it after that. And they use it here, but then you find out it's just a worker with a boombox over his head. Yes. <laughs> but at the end of the movie, we do see the front bumper, or what's left of it, because it's in a cube form, start to move a little bit. Yep. Just to let you know, Christine may return. End of the movie. There's the rundown of the film. Christine comes from Cybertron. <laughs> Could be. I was thinking that when I saw the cube for a movie. So, now that we've gotten there, it's time to talk about likes and dislikes. Uh, gentlemen, let's start it off. I always will start it off with the, the technical stuff. This is one of those movies that's shot very well. Uh, the cinematography on this film is amazing. I love how it looks. Even though it's a 40-year-old film, it still looks good. It looks it, like a film. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, the practical effects in this movie have to be second to none. I do know that they had 12 Christines. 
and uh, they used 12 of the cars. Only two of them survived filming <laughs> because obviously some of them were made to rack. Some yeah. of them were actually just uh, parts, like one of them was cut in half and just the seats were there so they could film inside the car. There was like stuff like that. Of course, there was ones that were destroyed and then rebopped out. So that way they could get the shit. One of them was on fire, obviously, because that was <laughs> the way that they had to do that is they had to cover the car in the flammable material that they would cover, you know, a person doing the fire stunt. They did that to the car with a stuntman driving the car with a respirator on and he had a, uh, a full flame retardant suit on yep. so he could drive the car that he could not see out the front window of. So kudos to him for doing 70 on a car that's on fire uh, <laughs> while not being able to see. <laughs> just throw that one out there. Pretty much. But uh, so all that stuff looks amazing in this movie. So we'll just get that out of the way because I think we could all agree on that. So now let's do some likes. We'll start with you, Ron. What were some of the likes that you liked from Christine? Uh, actually, the setting. It was, a, you know, I get it as a typical high school setting back in the but it actually felt like a real high school situation. Uh, you, you know, and I know you get some of the, you know, the settings of like high school, just like doesn't feel like a high school. This one actually felt like a high school. You know, everybody had their, you know, their cliche, their cliques, and their, you know, the two friends that are opposite polars had their, you know, had their friendship. And so, and it just actually felt more realistic than uh, most other movies do mm-hmm. in this situation. Uh, it was. A movie that was uh, probably a little bit ahead of its time at the time. Um, it, it gave you a little, you know, a little piece of: is it really possessed? Why is it possessed? Or is it just already controlling taking revenge? Like, taking revenge, like you, you, you end, you end the movie. You really don't know. Um, you, you obviously you have the dead body, or he dies, blah blah. But could you know? Could he have been already dead for a while? You know, type of things. It gets you get that little feel like that. You're not quite sure why those cars doing what it's doing. So you get that little piece, and it, it doesn't give you the answer, which is sometimes better, you know, in, in a movie. I think like I, like the fact that you don't get the that answer. Like it was a demon possession. There was this. There was that. It was just a random car that just was painted red and was different than the other ones. And there's a reason why. Serial <laughs> so, killer gets chased down by cops, it, gets it, shot at the auto yard, and instead it, of trans. Uh, Forming into the soul of a doll, he transforms into the soul of a car. Yeah. Well, well, we don't even know yeah, that. Yeah, it's the weird. Part. That would yeah. that would have ruined that movie, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you don't need to know. We just yeah. yeah. We we got right away that something weird happens with it with the first scene of the movie where the like line foreman just, like loses his hands. It just fell. It was a little loose. It just fell down. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> a little loosey goosey. Diesel, would you like to add any likes? Yeah, I'm gonna just second on rounds. Like I've never seen this movie before uh, last night and. It felt like a high school comedy throughout the first beginning of it. Like, granted, a lot of the stuff is not PC to say today, but it felt natural for the time. A lot of, you know, queer jokes and a lot of stuff that doesn't really fit the narrative now. But at the time, you're just like, oh, this is boys being boys to the fullest. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, you already had all the technical stuff. Like, I thought the movie looked great. It looks like an actual film, which is something I really enjoy. Um, really, I'm not a big George Thorogood fan, but I do love Buddy Holly, and I do like the soundtrack for this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a, it was an interesting rock and roll soundtrack. I did dig it. Uh, I will say I'm gonna uh, everything you said said was perfect. I I want to add the fact that like I really felt like not only was it a good uh, vibe and like you felt like you were in that situation and it, it was it was like 
not for it. Like it didn't feel forced. Yeah. It felt like you had this awkward kid who was this car possessed or not, which it was possessed, was kind of dragging him out of his shell. And like in a lot of ways at the beginning, you're like, well, this is not a bad thing. But then of course, like anything else, it just keeps going and going until finally he's unrecognizable. He's just kind of an asshole for yeah. lack of better terms. Uh, on top of that, I, I like the, the relationship between the characters. I thought that they did a good bond of showing you that Dennis and Arnie were really friends. Like that they, it wasn't just, oh, you know, what, you know, like, oh, you know, they know each other, they hang out. And then Dennis like ignores him at school because he's a popular kid. That's usually the trope of the time. No, no, no. Dennis was there. Everybody knew Arnie was his best friend. And even though Arnie wasn't popular, you know, they knew that if you fucked with him, Dennis was coming. You know what yeah. I mean? The way that Arnie's mom talks to Dennis when Arnie buys the car, you're just like, that's somebody that's over at your house a lot, the yeah. way she's talking to yeah. him. I bet you didn't try to stop him. <laughs> I Actually, I did try to tell him, oh, you tried really hard. It was one of those <laughs> things that took me back to like being in high school and like my friend's mother bitching yeah. at us and was like, oh, shit, yeah, yeah she's yeah. on to us. <laughs> yeah, and then like my favorite part of the movie is the ambiguity. Im- Im- wow, I almost didn't say that right, uh, of the movie. Like, you don't, like the... Carpenter does a good job. Even though we see that little thing in the prologue, who knows? That could just be whatever. They don't ever show you it killing the guy in the car. And, you know, a hood could fall on anybody's fingers. Yeah, you know a hood could mean? fall, and he turned the car on. Maybe something wasn't, like, exhaust wasn't right, and just died of carbon monoxide and we And we get a little more later when we find out, you know, that the brother did die in the car of from carbon, carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> and the wife died from, or no, the daughter died from choking. And the wife also mysteriously died in the car as well. So it makes, you know, you're, now you're starting to put it, but that happens during the movie as you're starting to put it together. But then it's chasing people down. And then when we get to that final scene, there is the scene where Arnie's in the driver's seat trying to kill Lee. So you're like, oh, maybe it was Arnie the whole time. I mean, it doesn't explain how the car keeps becoming pristine. But once again, they could have been doing this from Arnie's mind. Maybe Arnie's just really that fucking good at putting a car back together. We don't know. <laughs> uh, but then we do get the confirmation that it is supernatural. Yeah. But I, I did dig how there was a sense that it's not just cut and dry. And that's always a good thing. It's a de- definitely different. And I was telling these guys a lot of the ways that this script came up and why uh, John Carpenter took it is because he got a lot of heat from the thing for being very gory and violent. And, you know, obviously the thing is one of the greatest movies ever made, especially in the horror realm. It's one of the staples for John Carpenter. But he kind of wanted to do something different that he could change a little bit and not make it so violent and gory just to prove that, hey, I could do something different. That's why he took on doing Christine. And it was funny because... The movie isn't gory or anything, but it's still got an R rating. The way they did that, and I'm sure that's where the shitter part comes in, <laughs> is they, they just added swear words. They added enough swear words that the MPAA had to rate it R. And that's why there's a lot of swearing in this movie. So when you're going through the movie and you hear a lot of swearing, it is literally to get the R rating because John Carpenter, as a lot of some people still believe today, which is kind of weird, believed that a horror movie has to be rated R. So because he was taking the gore out, he wanted people to believe coming in that the gore and violence that they were used to from John Carpenter was in this film, hence why it got the R rating. Meanwhile, he just needed the R rating. That's what he was trying to pull the trick on. So he just had to swear. Yeah. Which I thought was ingenious in a lot of ways. So got to give kudos to John Carpenter. And so, when, you're, when your cast is mostly high schoolers and that's the setting, a lot of swearing fits in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it didn't feel out of place for high schoolers. Let's no, be honest. No. should hear my kid. He's 18, okay? <laughs> so now with that and the likes out of the way, Diesel, we'll start with you going in reverse order. What were some of your dislikes for Christine? Okay, so we're going to go with one of the technical things. Some of the audio dubbing in this movie does not fit well. Uh, Mr. Darnell, for sure. Like You're just like, oh, that, that's kind of rough. The voices don't match the acting that well, and... Sometimes that takes you out. Um, 
it's a like and dislike all in once. It's a long movie, and the setup for it takes a while. Hour fifty, it's almost yeah. two hours. Yeah. So like the setup for it, like you go through the senior year of these guys in real time. It felt like at some True. moments. Once it starts going though, it it, it picks up. So I'll, I'll give them that they they recover pretty well on that. <laughs> All right, Ron, do you want to have any dislikes you want to add on yeah. to that? Or like you said, the the bogging down in the beginning. Like it it it, it is a slow start. Like it's not. It, it's not even a hot open. Like I get it. You have the couple things that happen in the beginning with what happens in the car while it's in the uh, factory, but it's not even like, it's okay. Whatever. We know something's wrong with this car. Um, and it does bog down. I think the parents are a little bit too overprotective in this movie, like way <laughs> over the top, which is fine to the point where you get to the point where she's like, Oh, I bet you didn't even try to talk them out of it. Like that was a, like a legit scene. Like you said, it was, that, that was real life. Somebody, we've all been there. Oh, he got in trouble, and you didn't even try to talk him out of it. Well, actually, I did. Or, no, I didn't. Whatever, you know. But, like, they were, like, really over the top. Yeah. And I understand what they were trying to do and trying to show why he was so the, reserved so reserved the way he was. But it was still, like, uh, like, like the whole comment. Oh, we were going neck to neck in Scrabble, and I could have gotten... 26 points by using fellatio. And she told me it wasn't a real word because it's because <laughs> good boys don't use that kind of language. I'm like... Really? Like, seriously? <laughs> I will say this. I, I'm also not a fan of that because it felt like it kind of fell into a trope of the movies at the time that whenever there was like a teen or high school comedy, the parents had to be like overly stereotypical, yeah. either either really not there at all or overprotective. And all the adults seem to be that way in this movie because like Darnell is borderline hilarious when he's bitching about things, even though it shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the same thing about the parents. Yeah. They're so overprotective. It sounds fucking hilarious. And but that's and I think that's where Diesel got the feels of a comedy here. But it's like, why is it that over the top? Because they're dealing with actually serious things yeah. like you're dealing at this the weirdest part about that here and i mean this is one of those movies that if you remade it now there, there are some things that you could stick to that story that you could go on the avenue of mental illness that they were kind of half-assed touching on but i wonder if if carpenter did it now if he went at full force just go into the mental illness portion and then it would have been a more serious movie and i think it would have given it that darker tone that i think this movie actually was striving for a lot but the stereotypical parents and adults it was almost like having you know the 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 peanuts the wah wah, yeah. wah wah like the adults just you know don't do anything that's what it sounds like i will say though for a 40 year old movie mrs cunningham could could have gotten back in 83 <laughs> <laughs> i was two months old but oh my god <laughs> mrs cunningham kind of did it for me <laughs> I think she, she was hot she was uh you know but that's that's uh your guys' dislikes were where i'm at is you guys yeah. want to add something else diesel you got your hand up nope nope uh i Overall, it was it was pretty solid. Um, like I said, like it did feel like a little bit of like a teen comedy, but that's not what I was like in for at the time. So it was like, all right, come on, let's just get to it. Let's, no, let's I, get I to get it. it. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with that because when you start to, like I said, when you start to get to the end and it gets real serious and you're like, man, if this movie had the serious, darker tone the whole time, because like I said, I could see if you read, this is a movie that if I, I would be okay with being a remake if you took it to that level of going, this is a movie about mental illness. Because the main character, we know he's kind of being possessed by the car, but when you don't know that, when it's still ambiguous, you really have somebody like spiraling into mental illness. Like, yeah. is he insane? Is he going crazy? Is he losing his damn mind? Is all this overprotectedness and probably lack of sex getting to him or whatever? You, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things you could really explore there and make the film a lot darker yeah. than what it is. So right. I, I think that that was a missed opportunity. But once again, and it, that's not that's me rewriting a movie that you could remake, but. 
other than that, I still think the movie was still really yeah. good. We'll get to that when we talk about scores. But before we can give our scores, you know, we like to find out how, what the internet gave it. And the way we do that is simple. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> That's right. It is time to play the game. Ron won back the championship by the skin of his teeth last week. Are we going to play a hot potato with it again? Probably. Or is he going to continue, continue being champion? Of course, the game is played simply like this. We're going to take the scores from around the internet. These two gentlemen are going to guess. It's Price is Right rules, which means closest to the number without going over. Gets the point. First to three points wins. However, the last question the google users they're back oh <laughs> i had to hunt that down by the way that was weird that i had to hunt down the google number of all things uh the google users the dreaded google users is closest to the number if we need a tiebreaker and of course we don't do ties so if something has to be worth more points or whatever so be it i make up the fucking rules i can change them if i want there you i go. like it all right gentlemen are you ready to play the game let's play oh, yeah. diesel since you are the challenger you go first imdb out of 10 using points what did they give christine I'm going to go with an even 6.0. Ron. IMDb. Oh, God. I, sad part is I looked up where to watch this, and I made sure I didn't look yeah. at this, and I have no idea where they would go with this. You said 6.0? 6.0. 6.0. 6.0. Uh, I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that a lot. I'm going to go one. I'm going to edge my bets. One, hedge your bets. Yeah. And... Diesel gets a point six point eight out of ten. Oh, see, yeah. Six point eight. Yeah, like pretty it. good score for IMDb. Yeah. See, I understand why you went lower. IMDb is that. Uh, yeah, that's you, why. If I, like, you're in that five range, this, usually you're pretty good. This, this, like I've done, I've learned how to look where I can find these movies without looking at yeah. the score. So like I'm not cheating when I say this, and I'm not taking a low number to think like if people are like, oh, he's cheating, he's just taking, he's taking a dive. No. And with old movies, like this is a forty year old movie. It's a well, some people would consider like a cheesy horror movie. Yeah. Like, it's hard to gauge these, so. Oh, yeah. You've got 40 years of people actually <laughs> yeah. adding scores to it, so it's changed <laughs> yeah. over time. All right, Ron, you get to go first on the next question. It's Metacritic. Remember, this is a, a combination of a bunch of critic scores from all over the internet, and it's put together in a percentage out of 100%. What did they give? Christine! Uh, critics, Christine, 83, Carpenter, I don't know, 65. 65. Uh, Diesel. We're, I'm going to give you my actual guess. But then I'm going with one. So we're going with one, but I was thinking 48. You were thinking 48, but yeah. you're going, you're one's yeah. your answer, yes. though. <laughs> All right. And it pays off, Diesel, 57%. So okay. Ron busted. You yeah. were closer, but he busted. Low, you got low. the point. So it is 2-0. Diesel, you could win on this next you got it. question. And you get to go first. Rotten Tomatoes critic scores. Remember, this is just the critics from Rotten Tomatoes. Out of 100%, what did they give Christine? 53. Ron. 54. <laughs> He's got to save his life, and it pays off 69%. See, that was, was, I just had him backwards. <laughs> and now, Ron, to save your uh, game here again, the Rotten Tomatoes fan score out of 100%, what did they give Christine? 72. Diesel. I'm going high. A lot of John Carpenter fans out there. Oh, my real number was 69, but we're going with one. <laughs> we're going with one, and... I tried. You're the winner. And new champion, 64%. Okay. So it was one of those rare times the critic score was actually a little higher. All right, for funsies, Google users, Ron, I'll let you go first on this, even though uh, it, does, cause it doesn't matter. Out of 100%, what did they give Christine? Oh. Yeah, I'm going to say 82. Diesel. 
40-year-old movies are rough. We're going to go low on this one. I'm going to go 75. Ron, you would have gotten it 83%. You were only one off. Ooh. Only one off. <laughs> uh, it, it, once again, I think it's uh, Google users yeah. tend to like this movie. So, well, that we know the scores from around the internet. It is finally time for us to give our scores. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, so first we're going to give you the nerd score for this film, followed by my critic score. And, of course, the nerd score is a score that is uh, basically it's it's a recommendation score that we base on our critic score mixed with an entertainment score. So that means that a movie that might not be critically good but was super entertaining could have a higher score because, hey, we, we want to watch entertaining films. But also a movie that was critically good but it was boring could actually get a lower score. And that has happened in the past. Babylon, we're looking at you. Uh, with that being said... Uh, the nerd score is on the nerd scale, and the scale is five parts and five parts only. The first level of the scale is a one. That is no. That means it's a terrible film that you should never watch, so don't do it. A two is you've been warned. That means it's not quite terrible, but it ain't good, so you've been warned not to watch it. A three is ah, it's good. These are average to good movies. These are movies that you don't need to go out and pay for or anything like that, but if you catch it on and you watch it one time, you're probably not going to regret seeing it, but just not something you're probably going to seek out to watch again or or at your collection or any of that. The fourth slot is just take my money. These are movies that if they're in the theater, go pay to see them. If you want to add it to your collection, feel free to buy it on uh, Blu-ray or DVD or whatever your prefer preferred thing is. I think DVDs are going out, but still. <laughs> I mean, physical media is kind of going out as a whole. Yeah. Also, feel free to stream it. You might even add it to your rotation. These are very good to great films. And the last but not least is the creme de la creme, the legendary films, and they are on the five slot, known as Certified Nerd. These are movies like Jaws and Jurassic Park that, you know, you're going to go see in the theater. You're going to go back when they re-release them to the theater. You're probably going to own multiple copies of it because you wanted the updated edition whenever they come out with the next special edition, and it's definitely going to be in your rotation uh, that you go back to time and time again. All right, gentlemen, now that that has been explained... It is time to give the score. So, Ron, we will start with you, as we classically do. What is your nerd score for Christine and why? My score is a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm not upset that I watched it. I'm pretty sure I watched it a couple times back in the day when it was on syndication. Um, when we had, you know, like I said it before, 12 channels. So, you know, it would be one of those late night movies or the afternoon special movies, whatever. Um, it, it it isn't John Carpenter's best work, but it wasn't his worst work. Yeah. So it, it's I'm not upset I got to rewatch it. Not upset that you know we found it on Pluto TV with a couple extra commercials and that took you know made it two and a half hours long to make this movie. But whatever, it happens. Um, it, it was you know a fun little watch. You did feel like it was a high school setting. You did feel like they were high school students, and you did feel kind of real real 80s life. Let's just call it how it is. Um. Do you need to watch it more than once? Probably not. Do you? Should you watch it if you're a John Carpenter's fan? Yeah, why not? Stephen King fan? Yeah, why not? It's there. It's not too much. You know, it's, if you watch just the regular version, it's you know without free TV. It's <laughs> an, you know under two hours. You're kind of in and out. Maybe a little long because it was a little slow in the beginning. Probably could have cut out 10, 15 minutes there to rush it a little better. But who knows? Uh, but it wasn't bad. All right, Diesel, what is your nerd score and why? All right, I also landed at a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. It just missed out on being a four for me. It was very close. I've been, like, weighing it. Um, the, the weird story that you take from Stephen King and the 
era of what the hell was Stephen King writing? I think they did a tremendous job in taking, you know, the killer car and making it into a good movie. But that being said, there was just enough where it was like, uh, I wasn't mad I would see it, but I'm like thinking like, if this got released today, we saw it in theaters, would I be excited for the DVD to come out and buy it? No, I saw it. We're good. I'll probably watch it again, probably five years down the road. But for right now, we're good. We're Christine out. <laughs> Fun fact. The novel and the movie came out in the same year, 1983. The manu- uh, Basically, what happened was Stephen King gave the manuscript before he finished the book to Bill Phillips. Bill Phillips wrote the manu- okay. wrote Trains into the film. So literally, the book came out, and literally months later, the movie came out. So it's something that had been done before. The producer of the movie had worked with uh, Stephen King yep. before on the Salem's Lot miniseries. So he okay. was he offered he he trusted him so much that he would offer him books before he even put them out. Did they also do that with Cujo? Yes, he actually got offered the book, the, the same producer. However, he turned down Cujo, but he did pick this up. Okay. So that is, and they did the same thing with the book with yeah. Cujo as well. That's how good Stephen King is. By the way, you also mentioned that it was during the era of Stephen King writing crazy stuff. And uh, that the, the answer to that is simple, Diesel. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very well known. And if you thought that this was crazy for a car film, one day, one day we will actually review Maximum Overdrive uh, because we've been talking about it forever. Did Maybe we that actually we, do that? I no, we never got. I to thought it. we did it on. No, we never got to. Or, we've never we got. We've never gotten there. Because I remember talking about the kid. That might. That might be a good idea for the three hundredth episode. Who knows? Uh, well, know. we'll float. We'll float it around. We we had an idea, but you never know. We'll float it around. <laughs> I could have sworn we did something with it. No, we didn't. We always just bring it up. That's <laughs> yeah. the problem. It's it's our example when we say a movie can be critically bad but still very entertaining and get yeah. a high score. And I used to add in like Maximum Overdrive, yeah. <laughs> and that's probably why because I did it yeah. every episode for a while when we gave that as an episode. But let's get back. <laughs> yes, let's get let's get back to uh, what's at hand here. That's Christine. Uh, I'm I'm gonna be the high one on this. I am actually gonna give it the four. Show me the money. I can't quite give it a five. I've said this over the years. I do believe this is one of uh, John Carpenter's most underrated films. I think his most underrated film is still They Live, which we did review, and I did give a five. Uh, that's because that movie is is insanely, it's ridiculously good for what it is while mixing a message in, but it doesn't feel like the message is ever you know, burdening you down. Uh, this, on the other hand, the reason it doesn't hit a five is just that low period in the beginning. Uh, there's a little bit too much. I love building a world, but it feels like Bill Phillips kind of went and did what Stephen King does to a book. This book, by the way, is over 700 pages long. Christine is. Uh, there's a lot more to do with the old man who sells the car. As a matter of fact, you find out the old man who sells him the car isn't alive. He's a ghost. That's in the book. <laughs> okay. uh, just so I, you guys are aware of this. But I feel like when I say that Bill Phillips did what Stephen King does to books, and it makes sense to giving him the manuscript, is Stephen King the one thing that I love about him as a writer but makes his book so much longer is he is very good at painting the world for you. He makes you, if you if he you go into a room in a Stephen King book, he describes the room in those first two pages in a way that you know what the room looks like, smells like, looks like. And that's one of the greatest things about Stephen King. But when you transfer that to a movie, you have the visual arts, you don't need the extra in there. So we didn't need necessarily all of the quirkiness to Arnie in the movie and his relationship with his parents and his because you could have done that visually and a lot shorter. And I think that's part of what bogs it down. Also, the fact that they wrote this, and I get it at the time, 83, you know, we're soon after this, we're gonna go into the John Hughes era of films where we're going to do a lot of like teen angsty kind of comedies and movies. And I feel like they were on that wavelength as well. That's why the parents aren't, you know, featured as is anything but really kind of 
characters from the Peanuts. Or say just dumb shit that makes no sense. And it yeah. kind of takes away from the film. That is my biggest attractions. Other than that, though, I think once you get into the meat and potatoes of this film, it's really good. I like the fact that they make you question whether or not it's Arnie that's doing this and maybe some of the shit's in his head. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost up there. Like, the ambiguity of this movie is almost on a level in some aspects, not completely, as like American Psycho. Where you don't quite know what's going on. Yeah. You don't know, is this real? Or is this made up in one's head? And they, in this movie, they tip the hand and tell you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there is there is kind of that. And, you know, you kind of have that feeling. But once again, if it was in his head, the car might be fucked up. We're, he just is seeing it that way. Maybe these things aren't really happening. Maybe he's just murdering people in his head. They kind of make you believe that that could be going on for part of this movie until the end. And then they're like, no, nah, no, nah, it's a possessed car. Don't you worry. <laughs> don't you worry is what we said it was. It's kind of like when uh, Kevin Smith did Tusk and he said, oh, don't worry. We don't cop out. There's really a motherfucker gets turned into a walrus. They really have a, yeah. a, a car. You know what I mean? So I, I do dig this movie, though. And I think it's one of the most underrated ones that John Carpenter did for a few different reasons. Because I think that bogging down does scare people. But when you get into the meat and potatoes of this movie, it's amazing. Yeah. It does a lot of cool work before ahead of its time in a lot of ways, as as Diesel pointed out. And, and from a shooting aspect as well. Like I said, 40 years old. And it doesn't feel like you're watching a 40-year-old movie. True. This year... Peek behind the curtain, we've reviewed, especially on Patreon, a lot of 40-year-old films because this year me and Diesel both turned 40, and we were born in 1983, and it just so happens that's 40 years ago, and we thought, oh, it'd be fun to just do some movies on Rewind. So we've done a lot of movies from the year 1983, and some of them, not all of them, some of them, you know they're from 1983. You know, and that's not a crapping on anything. Like, I love Trading Places, but you know Trading <laughs> Places is from 1983. You know, I love King of Comedy. Yeah. But you know it's from 1983. Like, you can just look at it and go, wow, this is fucking old. This is one of those movies that, yeah, you understand it was filmed, and the film looks older, because obviously it's real film and not digital, but... It still looks really good. Yeah, it, like it, it still passes the time. You you could just you could literally go, oh man, somebody made it in 2023, degraded the film digitally a little bit, and that's what you got because it's crisp for a, a film. And that's kind of what Carpenter does. I mean, look at Halloween '78. Halloween '78 still looks amazing, and I know that they've upgraded and done all this, but if you look at the original cuts of the movie, it still looks really good. Yes, you can tell it was shot on film, but when you compare that to films of today, you could be like, oh. He could have just digitally downgraded it to look like film. and it, But you didn't, obviously, watch other. So he's always had a good eye for making films. Yeah. But this movie looks incredible. And, and I think they did all good. And, this, and I love practical effects. And the fact that they pulled off some shit in this movie, <laughs> knowing that there was a really a stunt driver driving a fucking car that was on fire, is crazy. True. But it's awesome. And then there's also, on that top of that, there's a, there's a person fire stunt. Because the person gets ran over is on the ground on fire. So there's a fire stunt, a normal fire stunt for a human being, plus a fucking car on fire. That's pretty awesome, in my opinion. Especially looking back in time. So kudos to John Carpenter and the filmmaker. The rest of the filmmakers he was working with. All right. That's going to do it for the 3FN Movie Club review of Christine. If you agree with us, disagree with us, or anything else, hit us up. Let us know what you think. You can find all the social media links and also the email link over at 3FNpodcast.com. Ron, we got uh, only a few weeks left. Yeah. And, but yeah. I believe you have some business to attend to. And it's a long one, people. So I may cut it off halfway or some some point in time. <laughs> one out of ten stars. Hollywood's greatest shame. At first, I liked the Harry Potter series. It was imaginable. It was original. It was funny. And it had promise. Then the second one came out. Oh, wow. This is heaven. It can't get better than this. Then the third came out. I was wrong about the second because this is awesome. 
Then in between finishing the third and the release of the fourth, I read The Lord of the Rings. And shortly after the movies for both came out, I realized a huge difference. I was psyched out when I heard that they were making a Harry Potter movie. But there, there they go and ruin it. Did you know Spielberg was originally supposed to direct until Miss Rollins insists it had to be an all-British cast? In walks Christopher Columbus, a guy who directed Robin Williams in Becoming a Woman in Mrs. Doubtfire, and a guy who's obviously willing to give in to any demands thrown at him by the author as long as he makes money. Well, Mr. Columbus seemed to direct Ron into acting like a woman as well. You throw in a B-list of child actors and lists of accomplished adult actors who are far past their prime and who only opt to make these films because their grandchildren beg them to. And you have to have the first Harry Potter movie. There are, has never been a more horrific performance than that of Rupert Grint, who now demonstrates the worst performance of all times, kicking Jake Lloyd from the Phantom Methodist out of the way. Daniel Radcliffe doesn't really possess much talent either. I highly doubt he was any future after this film. As far as acting goes anywhere, as for Emma Watson, who thinks she is the best in the world, and if you think I'm talking about her performance as Hermione, you're dead wrong. Have you listened to her in interviews? The room can barely fit the three of them. <laughs> the interviewer and her ego. Her performed is also astonishingly bad. I forget to mention the horrible special effects. I have seen better on TV watching Power Rangers. <laughs> I mentioned the Lord of the Rings earlier to make a reference to the obvious ripoffs of Mrs. Rowling. First, there are Dementors, cloaked ghost-like figures whose faces you never see, Ringwraths, the whopping willows seem to ring the bell, the giant spider named Argoth, the trolls also seem to resemble something I've seen before. Oh yeah, the trolls in Lord of the Rings. Hopefully Warner Brothers chooses a hiring a different director for the rest of the films will pay off. But this is the perfect example of a book that could have made an Oscar-worthy classical movie, but falls short. One out of ten stars. <laughs> Harry Potter just sucks people. Jesus, already laughing. How... <laughs> Tell me that you have no life without telling me you have no life. <laughs> like, this person wrote a goddamn essay about what could have been when it comes to the adaptation of a children's book to the screen. Well, on the plus part, it was 2005. It wasn't like 2017. I told you it's a long one. Yeah. <laughs> no. With that, we've only got a few more. We only got uh, two more. Two more. I still got to figure out what I got to read. And then the uh, next year we'll be here. So... Next week, though, is going to be our last movie review. Well, last movie review on the main feed. Uh, of course, there will be still a 3FN Rewind of Scarface for its 40th anniversary. Uh, that's exclusively for Patreon. That's a Patreon exclusive podcast. And also a 3FN Horror Show, which is also an exclusive to Patreon podcast for Child's Play. So that will be coming up there. As well as uh, Iron Claw will be going there first. Let's be honest. I'll probably share it with the rest of you fine folks, too. But the patrons get it first because, you know. It's only fair that they pay for it, you know what I mean? So with that being said, if you would like to support us, patreon.com slash 3FN podcast. There you go. But next week, it'll be Wonka, followed by the Nerdies, and then, of course, the start of the year with Looking Forward. And then, of course, Ron will give us whatever his new movie to either hate or it could be a hated movie he loves. <laughs> I'm still trying to get him to do Best Men just to fuck with Diesel I, 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 I might, for a full year. I don't, I don't think you could find 52 reviews of that. I don't think I could find really start, good reviews. You know what you do? Just create different emails and start your own. Make them short. Anyway, 
Anyways, with that being said, though, until next week when we have the 3FM Movie Club review of Wonka for myself and for the nerds. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later, nerds. Later. Shout out to the love of my life for breaking the indoor shot put record in Colorado. Hashtag challenge <laughs> accepted. <laughs> Harry Potter just sucks, people. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.